Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 84. My name is Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend, Austin. Austin, how you doing, my friend? I am doing excellent. Excellent. Doing it is a, excellent. Today is a day that the Lord has made, right? That is right. That is right. Coming at you on a, on a Monday night, not our normal recording night, but man, what a week we've had. You know, <laughs> you know just Austin came in and said, how are you doing? I said, you know what? We're 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 getting through it, yeah. And and I yeah. think I speak for both of us. It's like you know we're we we're we're doing great. We're blessed. That that's definitely not a complaint by any means. But amen. You know you sometimes have those weeks where you just kind of have to push through it, <laughs> and that's kind of what we've had. On on a on a very unserious note, the, the topic of conversation in my world, and really it's just been with me and my people at my my job, is what is happening to the Kentucky Wildcats basketball team. <laughs> um, they are so bad. Yeah. They are so bad. And does John Calipari need to go? Ooh. I guess the topic. Really? There's a lot of people that say yes. I could spend an hour talking about that. We could just rip, but you don't you don't know. I, I don't So it would know. not be a fruitful conversation because you have no opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get but it's home. been on I'll my talk mind. To my wife. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> she knows. So we're going to not really do much of an intro today. We're going to just dive right in uh, to our topic. But first, before we do, do us a favor. Jump on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us, like us, subscribe on Apple, anywhere you get your podcast. We are on all the major platforms and all the minor platforms as well. Jump on our website, rootedinlogospod.com. You can see a little bit of our, our, you can see our pictures, a little bit of our bio, uh, just a little bit about us. Uh, there's a blog on there that we haven't written anything on yet, but it's coming. It, it, it's I got to figure out how to do it, actually, is, is really what it yeah. boils down to, figure out how to actually link a link to it. And, and once he I've, figures it out, he can let me know how and I we'll see how it goes. I used to pride myself when I was in my late teens and early 20s. And how technologically savvy I was. I worked for a cell phone company for a while, so I knew how to take phones apart and fix them and put them back together and work them and do all that stuff and troubleshoot problems. I could do it all. I hit like 26, 27. Maybe, honestly, maybe I hit 30. And I was like, I can't do any of this. I get the guys at work, how do you fix this? I'm like, honestly, I have no idea. I, I, right now, I'm just as lost as you are on these oh, things. Wow. And so website building is that thing. I'm like, I don't, I don't have a clue what to do with the websites and how to... So... If anyone wants to help us out, let us know. Reach out to us, and we'll be happy Thanks. to compensate you with bracelets. <laughs> Got a bunch of those. And hugs. <laughs> and hugs. <laughs> and a shout-out, free advertising. Yeah, there the, you go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, rootedinlogospod.com, all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, patreon.com slash rootedinlogos if you want to support us financially. Please, if you would like to do that, that'd be awesome. Uh, we're, we're restructuring things yeah. and, and trying to figure out you know, ways we can grow this. And unfortunately, that takes money sometimes to, to grow things like this and, and to get word of mouth is huge. Yeah. But advertising is also big and putting our, you know, putting some money out there and, and throwing it out to Facebook and, and different platforms would be great. Um, oh, and, uh, and being Christian media is, um, well, depending on who you talk to, but good Christian media. Um, we put a lot of time in and effort into this studying. So to be able to have some help kind of kind of helps out. So if you would like to, please please do. Please do. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, all that said, we we are very happy and grateful that you're listening. Mm-hmm. The numbers stay very steady. We we have a great I think following and and seemingly loyal following. I, we get 
talk to a lot about, about people at church. They're like, oh, I listen to this. I'm like, oh, you do listen? I never miss. In fact, it, uh, I don't even know if I told you this, but my old roommate, Steven, sent me a text a few days ago, and I'm terrible about keeping up with people, and, and he apparently isn't very good at it either. And so yeah. we go through spells of just not talking very much, and he texted me a few few days ago, and we had a pretty good conversation. He's like, yeah, honestly, I really don't miss very many episodes. He said, I try to really? catch all of them. And I'm like, dude, that's amazing. He just had a baby, bought a house. Like He's got a lot of cool things happening in his world. You heard him here on this podcast back last year. I can't remember what episode number it was, but we talked about Christian music yeah. and the state of Christian music, why we think it's suffering right now and what we think can maybe help bring it back to what it was yeah. back in the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was at its heyday. I mean, people, oh, yeah. they were selling on arenas, and, and you don't see that as much now just because it's all... Well, anyway... <laughs> That discussion's there, and it's a pretty cool one. So that that's his his episode. So he's he's been around. He's a friend of the show. And otherwise, thank you guys for supporting us and, and listening. Uh, ADHD kicks in so right, easy, right, and I just right. go off on tangents. So that's great. thanks for listening. We love you guys. It's awesome. Today we're going to dive into First Timothy chapter two. Probably not get through all of it because it's a pretty rich chapter, even that's though it's only fifteen rich. verses. Right? Fifteen. Right. right. Yeah. 15 verses. We're going to dive in, and so just kind of like we normally do, we'll read it, then we'll start at the beginning and just kind of start diving into it and just see where the wind takes us. I'm pretty sure it's a bad thing. You know, tossed to and fro by every okay, wave of right. doctrine. To <laughs> see where the text leads there us. There you How go. about that? Let's do that one. Yeah. yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> first Timothy chapter 2, I will start. I'm going to read the first seven verses. Austin will jump in finish the last eight. Yeah, math. All right. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to, a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Chapter 2. There's a lot here. There is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there is a lot. And, and, and we, not us, I, I, think, I actually think we're pretty good on this one, but... We might have a lot of people disagree on us with yeah, this one. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and there are a couple of verses in particular that I, that stick out uh -huh. to me of being things a little bit contentious and, and, and quote-unquote controversial. Because, again, there are things that 
as as Americans, but just as humans, as, as people who fight with our flesh, we don't want to hear. They don't make us comfortable. They don't make us feel good. They don't give us the warm fuzzies necessarily because of our culture, our society, and what the world tells us is is the way things ought to be. Yeah. Because we as Christians and, and people who believe the Bible, who who read it, study it, and try to live it, we're countercultural. We go against everything the world says we should be for, right? I mean, we as we're very adamant on this podcast, and in our and hopefully in your churches, but in our church as well, that this woke ideology, this this progressive Christianity, this gender ideology that is permeating our entire world and leaking into our churches is absolute and utter nonsense, and it's something that we need to stand up against, despite what the world <clears throat> says. Right. Right. We, we we were very vocal on this podcast about the the COVID lockdowns and how. That was detrimental to the church and how yeah. the church needed to stand up and say, no, we're still going to meet, even if it meant going underground, depending on where you were and what your restrictions were. Yeah. I think of Canada specifically, people that were going underground in Canada because they locked down the churches, yeah. literally locked yeah. down the churches. So we we are countercultural. We, we are not persuaded by our government, by outside forces, by Hollywood, by media, to do things that go against the Bible standards, <clears throat> biblical standards. And we shouldn't be. I, right. I say it, we shouldn't be swayed by those. But a lot of times nowadays, our churches are. Yeah. Our pastors are, right? And when it comes to like verses about who desires all pe- people to be saved, uh, verses about you know women should adorn themselves in respectable attire, women should learn quietly, not speak in the church, like... I do, not, are, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over man. Those are yeah. countercultural <laughs> ideas, right? Those are not ideas that make us feel, quote-unquote, good inside when it comes to our culture. Yeah. So how do we handle that? How do we wrestle with that? I think that's what we're going to try to get into over the next few verses, probably yeah. the next two episodes. Probably. Well, hence our name, Rooted in Logos. I mean, we are going to Scripture for all things and when scripture says something, we need to pay attention in, in all aspects. So, yeah. Let's start it out. Verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So, we're to pray for all people, everybody, all over the world. But then honing in specifically on exactly what we're supposed to be praying for those people and then exactly who we're supposed to be praying for. It is so important. So supplications. Right off the top of your head, do you have a a definition for supplications? (laughs) Uh, When I hear that word, the image that comes to mind is, is almost a begging type scenario, right? It's almost a... I am coming before you and I am begging for these things. I am asking for things that will benefit me, that will benefit my family, that will benefit those around me. Yeah. Yeah, and it's doing it earnest, earnestly and humbly. And yeah, you're, you're begging. You're going before God and, and earnestly asking him for something for someone else. And from what it says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. It, he's not necessarily saying for yourself. He's saying for other people. So supplications, you are asking earnestly before the king of requests for other people. I like the way MacArthur puts it in his commentary. And and one reason why I go to MacArthur's commentary a lot is because it's actually the only one that I own. So that's 
<laughs> one reason why I use that yeah. one a lot, but yeah. also because it, I, I do like his insights, and, and I don't necessarily think we agree on everything, but I do think he has a lot of, I mean, he's a pillar of the a modern Christian church and oh, modern yeah. Christian faith. MacArthur is is a man among men, mm-hmm. right, when it comes to the faith. But I like what he says about intercessions. We talked about supplications there for a second, but here's what he says about intercessions. This word comes from a root meaning to fall in with someone or to draw near so as to speak intimately. Hmm. The verb from which this word comes is is used of Christ and the Spirit's intercession for believers. Paul's desire for the Ephesians, and remember, Paul's writing to Timothy, but he's talking about the church right. that Timothy is involved with in, in Ephesus, in right? Ephesus. Yeah, so he's in Ephesus. His desire for the Ephesian Christians is to have compassion for the lost, to understand the depths of their pain and misery, and to come intimately to God pleading mm. for their salvation. Yes. It's awesome because looking at it as this is not just a believer to believer thing, which scripture speaks of regularly about how we're supposed to show our love towards fellow believers more so than we are to the pagans. But in this, he is talking about, no, for even the pagans, pray for them and earnestly go before God like an intercessor, like Christ was for us or is for us. We're to do that to God through Christ asking God for their for their salvation yeah to to be praying for them in such a humble way saying Lord God please break their heart you know do whatever right. is necessary to bring them to you yeah one of the things we get asked a decent amount when anytime we bring up and we're gonna bring it up here I think in a couple of verses but we bring up the idea of election mm-hmm. and th- this idea of of the word predestination. Uh, it is a tough pill to swallow. It's a tough word to wrap your mind around. It's a tough concept to grasp, especially as humans who don't think it's fair. But let's leave that aside because we're not getting into that today. However, right. one of the questions we get asked, because, you know, I think Austin and I both lean that direction when it comes to soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, is that, you know, there are the elect. There are those that are chosen by God. Well, why then do we need to witness? Why then do we need to pray? I mean, simply put, this verse right here, I mean, there's so many verses to, 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 that you can point to, but it's specifically this one here because we're told to. We're told we to. We are told to pray for all people, to pray earnestly for all people, to make intercessions for all people. We don't know. We don't know the ultimate fate of somebody's soul. We don't know the condition of their hearts. We don't know the condition of anyone's heart with 100% full certainty yeah. because we're not God. So All we have are fruit to judge. All we have is fruit to judge, but even still, we are told we need to pray for those who are lost. Pray yeah. for those who do not know Christ that they will be, their hearts will be softened and that the, the Lord will intervene and, and, and step in and, and save them. Yeah. Because yeah. that is our job is to spread the, uh, is to make disciples. Our job is to make disciples. Yeah. Ending this verse with Thanksgiving. We, we're meant to thank God for these things. Thank God for other people. I mean, again, whenever you meet another human being in the world, you're speaking to an image bearer of God, and you're thanking God for them. You're thanking God for your conversation. Even if the conversation didn't go well, you're thanking him for that. Why? Because he placed them in front of you to have that conversation. So you jump down into verse 2, for kings and all who are in high position. goes right back to Romans, where we did our study on Romans, Mm -hmm. talking about submitting to the authority of the government. When they're they're put there by God, yeah. whether we like them or not, whether we like this president and this government or not, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably don't. <laughs> we don't, but we are to submit to their authority as long as it's not breaking the law, you know, mm-hmm. the, the law of God, and it's not causing us to sin. 
But what are we supposed to do for our leaders? Yeah. Pray for them. Pray that God will work in their lives and that they will make decisions that are pleasing to him and that will further his kingdom ultimately. Yeah. Well, and yeah, we take sec- the, the second verse and go back to the first. We're praying for our president to come to the understanding of Christ, to give his life to Christ. And in so doing, if that happens, it will be a lot easier that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. I just want to say the flesh was there for a second. I really wanted to make a joke about understanding. <laughs> it's very easy. Um, with... And I didn't. So I just want <clears throat> good, to good, good, throw good. a victory out there for uh, not temptation. Praise the Lord. <laughs> anyway. Peaceful. So yeah, we are going before God. We're asking him for our president, for our governors, for our representatives, that they come to Christ. And in so doing, that will help us lead a more peaceful and quiet life. Um, Godly and dignified in every way. So yeah, we need to go to God with our leaders. And any bare essentials going down to the father, the father head of the household. You know, praying praying for the father. He is, in in the respects, he, he is in charge. He is the headship, and he needs to be prayed for in this way. I need to be prayed for in this yeah. way. And I like you know, leading a quiet, peaceful and quiet life. I, I, one of the things I read this week just online, I, I honestly don't remember who wrote it, but I read it, okay. <laughs> and, and I, it stuck with me, was persecution coming from a government or, or coming to the church should be a result of godly living, mm. righteous living as, as a people, as people who are... Praying fervently and passionately for the lost and, and doing, doing ministry and outreach, right. you're doing it right. It should not be because of civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think there is a time when we do need to stand up and say enough is enough. We are going to draw this line here when it comes to religious freedom and being yeah. able to say, hey, no, we are still going to meet. Now, that might be underground, but we are still going to meet and, and right. drawing that line because that's that scripture takes precedence over a government decree. Right. But we are not to necessarily be on the front lines of of starting a, a rebellion or an uprising, right? Like, we're not right. necessarily to to be overthrowing governments, I don't think. I, I think that's kind of what Paul is leading to here, saying, hey, let's, if we're going to be persecuted, let's be persecuted for the right reasons. And it's godliness and, and fervent prayer for the lost and fervent serving the lost yeah. and serving the community. Be persecuted for good things. Yes. Well, in Acts, they're talking to the Pharisees about how we... We obey God, and if God's laws supersede yours, then that's who we're going to obey. And if your law causes us to go against God's law, then no, that's it's not going to happen. Never going to happen. And that's our premise as well. Yeah. And, and in this ver- in this verse too is is being godly and dignified in every way. It's it's that same idea of idea is living above reproach. Yeah. It's that same idea of the the world looks at us and they say, wow, those people are different. They may hate us because we're different, right? but they still look at us and say, man, these people are different. There's something different about this group of people, about that church, that body of believers. Yeah. And that's what the world should be noticing. They should not necessarily be noticing our civil disobedience or our militia readiness to, to right. go right. overthrow and topple governments. It should be noticing, well, these people care about people. These yeah. people love other people and they serve other people and there's something different about them. I, I hate what they believe, but <laughs> hey, there's something different there. Yeah. Well, Emily reminded me of this today. I, I believe it's Peter talking to us <laughs> about how if 
the pagans, or if anyone is to charge you with something, make sure it is not true. Right. And, I mean, if they are to charge you with something and it's true, then you deserve it. But make sure that what they're charging you with is not true. Well, I wonder who's experienced that in this room. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's Whatever. Fine. We're moving on. It's <clears throat> <clears throat> our episode, but God. Anyway. <laughs> Verse 3. <laughs> Verse 3. <laughs> this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. What is good? What is pleasing? This is awesome. So I take this verse and kind of incorporating it into my family. One of the questions that um, my kids are being raised to answer is, uh, what is the second thing that loops do? And the second thing that loops do is, we do what is pleasing to God. Or, and even more so, we're searching. We're searching to do what is pleasing to the Lord. And, well, right here is a good instance of what God finds pleasing to himself praying for other people praying for pagans praying for people that don't believe him in him praying for people that hate him pray for them don't only pray for them but intercede for them thank thanksgiving for them supplications for kings and all in high positions that is what is pleasing to the lord and if you know it's pleasing to our father you need to do it need to be doing it need to be doing it right yeah, that that is one of the more simple verses in this passage. Yeah, right. Is, is oh well, the the first three verses are very kind of practical, laid out, simple. Not a lot of discussion, a room for debate. Right. Mm. Pray for pray for the lost. Pray for the kings. Pray for those in authority. Live with peace and godliness, and and, and live as respectable citizens. Yeah, this is pleasing to God. Yeah, do that. Well, and it's <laughs> it's pleasing in the sight of God, as in it's reminding you God is watching. And as God is watching you and you are doing this, as a father is watching a child and it brings a smile to his face, what his children are doing, just imagine that is what God the Father, God our Savior, it is very purposeful, God our Savior is doing. When you are praying for other people, you are loving other people and interceding for them, God the Father is watching you and he's pleased. He is pleased with you. So take that to the bank. Absolutely. And then in classic Paul fashion, he throws a comment in there, continues this really long sentence and <laughs> right. says, Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? Mm-hmm. One of the most quoted passages in the Bible when it comes to any kind of debate or discussion on soteriology, which again is the doctrine of salvation. One of the quotes that is used to try to undermine the, the doctrine of election and the doctrine of predestination uh, that, that the reformers, you know, subscribed to and, and put forth and, and fleshed out for us. Yeah. So what does this mean? <laughs> very deep question for yes. a very, very deep verse. Yes. I am going to go back to MacArthur. Okay. And I'm just going to read what he <laughs> writes way more eloquently than I could ever put it. When you're done, I'm going to go to Matthew Henry. There we go. <laughs> so we're going to have two different people, one from the 1800s. When was Matthew Henry around? Let me do a Google search. All right, I I can't. I'm I'm thinking it's it's before that. Is it's it before much that? before that. Okay, 1600s. 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 Only a couple decades or uh, it's couple couple centuries. Off. It's yeah, fine. It's fine. 1600s. So yeah. John MacArthur from me, Matthew Henry from Austin. I'm just going to read this little paragraph that he writes about this, and then we can discuss that along with Matthew Henry's quote. So here we go from from the MacArthur study uh, MacArthur commentary. It says. The Greek word for desires is not that which normally expresses God's will of decree or his eternal purpose, 
but God's will of desire. There is a distinction between God's desire and his eternal saving purpose, which must transcend his desires. God does not want people to sin. He hates sin with all his being. You can see that in Psalm 5.4 and Psalm 45.7. Thus, he hates its consequences, which is eternal wickedness in hell. God does not want people to remain wicked forever in eternal remorse and hatred of himself. Yet, God, for his own glory and to manifest that glory in wrath, chose to endure, quote, vessels prepared for destruction for the supreme fulfillment of his will. We see that back in Romans chapter 9. In his eternal purpose, he chose only the elect of the world, John 17, 6, and passed over the rest, leaving them to the consequences of their sin, unbelief and rejection of Christ. You see that in Romans 1, 18-32. Ultimately, God's choices are determined by his sovereign, eternal purpose, not his desires. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll go to Matthew Henry. This is a little bit older. <laughs> only a little. As all men do not come to the knowledge of the truth, which God wills in the same sense as that all men should be saved, so the difficulty, if there be any, presses equally on those who adopt the opposite extreme and their views of the question, and even on such as would deduce universal actual salvation. From this text and a few similar. For they cannot say that all men, without exception, actually do come to the knowledge of the truth. If the clause, therefore, be explained to mean anything more than the willingness of God to save all, of every description who truly believe, and his command that we should preach to all men, and pray for all men, without distinction, it must follow that he wills or purposes what he does not affect. For me, this is a verse that, even with my soteriology, even with my views on election, and as people would call me a Calvinist, whatever, I, I follow the doctrine of Christ. It's fine. But this is a verse that I, I will not, and I will never explain away. Never once. B- because, again, we one, we take Scripture face value as we read it. And what does it say? He says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, There's a footnote going back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his ways and live? There is a reason why Christ sent Jesus. I mean, we see that. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whomever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, as we get into the, the, the doctrine of election and so on and so forth, which we're, we're not really getting into tonight because that's for a later episodes. It is. But... people more qualified to speak on it than we are. Right, exactly. <laughs> but the point is, God does not delight in those things. God, he wants them to. But like like John MacArthur says, what Matthew Henry says, and what we're talking about is there there is a difference between God's desire and his will. When it is God's will, it is going to happen no matter what we do. Even getting into the topic, which Brad and I, we, we, we lay heavy on this side of, you know, looking at each other, you deserve hell. Mm-hmm. And... We start getting too far on that side of I'm I'm 
I'm sinful, I'm evil, I'm wicked, so on and so forth. But then we have to look at each other and be like, we're not that important. As in, okay, yes, you can keep telling each other, yes, we're evil and we're wicked and we're sinful. Well, yes, we know that, but we're not that important. Quit quit diving into that. Of course, of course we're evil and wicked, but we're not that important to keep bringing it up, if that makes any sense. So God desires all to be saved, okay? God desires all all to come to the knowledge of the truth. But like Matthew Henry said, that, that's, that doesn't happen. It, he says... As all men do not come to the knowledge of the truth, which God wills in the same sense, that all men should be saved. So we see the distinction between his will versus his desire. And for me, it, it goes back to we're made in the image of God. We have desires. Granted, not all of our desires are good, but that's just because of our sinful nature. But God has desires too. But, like Matthew Henry said, and I, I just go back to him because I can't see it as well. <laughs> he says... It must follow that he wills or purposes what he does not affect. He desires this, but he will not affect it. So I'm just going to leave that well, one. I mean, you look back at Romans 9, and, and, you talk, and Paul talks about how, you know, there are vessels who were made for destruction. And, and he's doing it sort of rhetorically and asking questions and, and, right. and trying to... <clears throat> ca- I even think Paul maybe even be trying to reason this stuff out in his own mind yes. by writing it out. Yeah. But... Who are we to question the creator, right? Yes. If, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, you look at Paul, even says, can, can, the, the, can the clay look at the molder or to the, to the clay maker and say, why did you make me this way? Right. Like, to the sculptor, why did you make... No, like, no. the clay doesn't answer back to the creator yeah. of, the, of the structure or piece or vessel or whatever he built. Yeah. You are who God made you to be. Yeah. My thing I always go back to is the whole thought of, you know, free will and God didn't make us robots. And I, 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 I do. I believe that, too. But I also think, you know what? Even if God made us robots, praise be to God. Yeah. If, if we are robots living out what he so decrees, then praise be to God. He is God. Yeah. Who are we as the clay and the dust that he made us from and gave us the breath of life? To then question him saying, oh, I don't think that's fair. And it just, it it goes back to something I said last week, on last week's episode, where apart from the Holy Spirit and apart from having that conviction, we were talking about working on our own salvation and, and, and and me reflecting over the last few weeks on what life would be like without the Holy Spirit and like what lifestyle I would lead. Yeah apart from the Holy Spirit. That falls in line with my theology that, yes, I do have free will, but my free will, apart from the Holy Spirit, is always going to choose things that are not Of God. Not of God. And and granted, the world is full of moral, quote-unquote, moral people who are not believers. I, I fully understand that, and I will grant you that. There are people who are not believers in Christ who do great things on this earth. You can't avoid that. But Scripture tells us why. Scripture tells us why, and on top of that, we are not judged by God by the world's standards. Right. We are judged by God by His standards, yeah. and His standards are His standard is perfection. And the only way we get that perfection is by having the blood of Christ over us. And the only way we have the blood of Christ over us is if Christ comes and interacts with us on a personal level and shows us our need for a Savior. Yeah, that's the only way it happens. Yeah, and apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no way I could choose. To, to not live a lifestyle 
that is completely flesh driven. Right. Because I would. Yeah. I know I would. Yeah. 100%. Because I know the sin I struggle with. I know the, the areas of my life that I need to clean up. And, well, that God needs to clean up. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and God, heaven forbid, the ones you don't even know. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I know that there are things in my life that, that God needs to deal with while working through me and working on me and working on my heart. And I play a role in that. But apart from that pricking of the Holy Spirit at my, at my conversion, who knows where I would be? I don't even want to think about it, honestly. Right. I don't even and, want and to think about it. That, to me, is, is this idea, and we're, I'm getting off on a total train, <laughs> we're going with, but the, the idea that, that not a single part of my being, inward and outward, physical and spiritual, physical and personality, physical and mental, whatever, not a single part of my being is unmarred from sin. Like, I, it, it has touched every part of my body. Right. If it hadn't, I would be in a lot better shape right yeah, like yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. and of course those are choices i make to to eat the wrong things or whatever but like if it wasn't touched by sin i wouldn't have back pain i wouldn't have my, my knee wouldn't hurt you know i'd be in a perfect physical specimen right i'd be a perfect spiritual specimen right, right? right. but there is every single part of me that is tainted mar- i wouldn't wear glasses like it was just i would be perfect and i could then do that on my own and then what would I need Jesus for? Yeah. What would what I would need the Holy the Spirit? What would be the point? Because yeah. I can do it by myself. Yeah. And that's just not the case. Verse 5. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. And the whole reason and the whole point, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So, going back, intercessory prayers. There is only one mediator, Okay. We are not called to be mediators. We're called to be intercessors, okay? Intercessory prayer, meaning we're going to God by way of Christ on behalf of XYZ, whoever you want to put in there. But there's only one mediator, as in before Christ, as in before Christ came to earth. Before the mediator, we had what, what was Satan? Priest. No, what oh, was Satan? Where are we going oh, what this? is this? Um, <laughs> accuser we had an accuser okay there we go and we besides the law we had no one there to defend us well now christ has come as the mediator and he is basically dethroned satan he's pleading on our behalf yeah but he is making our case for us but the accuser is no longer valid because christ has come and says yes i i know I know everything that you're accusing them. And, and by my, the way, it's true. And it's true. It is all true. <laughs> yeah. But my father forgives them. Why? Because me. And I love it reading through uh, Thomas Watson, um, talking about the, the doctrine of repentance and confession. As confession, when we go to the throne in confession, we are being our own accuser. Therefore, when we go to the to the Father by way of Christ, and we are confessing what we've done and being very purposeful, as in, this day I did this, this day I did this, I've done this, please forgive me. Then, if ever, if it's biblical or not, Satan then comes again and says, hey, I'm accusing them of this. Jesus, our mediator, is like, he already came to us. He already accused himself, and we, you know, my Father forgave him. Dealt with that. Yeah, so therefore, literally, there's no point to Satan anymore. There's no point to an accuser because if you confess it, you're your own accuser. And Christ abounding in steadfast love and mercy and grace abounding. Right. It doesn't matter anymore. And, and keep in mind, Paul is still talking about praying for all people. Mm-hmm. And in that first part of the verse, 
says, for there is one God. Paul is, is again, just reiterating and, and, and pushing the fact that, hey, we need to be praying that people come to the knowledge of the one true God. Not that they become more moral, not to become better people. They don't become more ph- philanthropic. They don't become more generous, more giving, yeah. more on our level or, our, or on our understanding of the word moral, more moral. Right. They come to their knowledge of their need for a savior and that there is only one God, not many gods, not, not, you know, hundreds of gods, not Greek gods, Hindu gods, Mormon gods, Catholic God. Like there's not, there's one God. The Trinity is not polytheistic. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, (laughs) And that is what we're to be praying for the people who are lost. Yeah. To come to the knowledge of the one true and only God. Yes. Well, and I love it too. The one and only God there. And there is one mediator between God and men, the man, the man, Christ Jesus, as in Jesus is a man. And it, it, it alludes to a little bit later what we're about to get into, but the purpose and why Jesus was a man and Jesus was not a woman. Okay. Which we're going to get into later, but moving on verse six who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So he gave himself as a ransom for all. And I mean, it goes back to what we just went, who desires all people to be saved. He gave himself as a ransom for all, but like Matthew Henry says, you know, not all of them are going to, but his desire is there. His desire is that all of them be saved, but... That he wills or purposes what he does not affect. I, I heard it explained very succinctly in Bible college, and th- this is one of the few things that really stuck with me as far as like this doctrine and this this reformed ideology is that the, the, the atonement of Christ, the ransom that Christ paid, there are three logical outcomes and, and three logical effects of the atonement. And only one can be true. And so here are the three logical outcomes. One, the atonement of Christ, the ransom that he paid, covers all sin of all people. Follow that to its logical conclusion, no one goes to hell. Right. Some sin for all people. Which we don't believe in. Which we don't believe. The second logical conclusion is some sin for all people, in which case no one goes to heaven. Because it doesn't cover all your sin. It covers some of your sin. Right. Or the third and the only logical conclusion we can come to is that his atonement, his ransom covers all sin for some people. Mm. And it's tough, again, it's tough to wrap your mind around and, it, and it, it, it's tough to wrestle with and grapple with and I encourage you to do so. But just think about that. Think yeah. about the logic that, that, cause God is a God of order. He's a God of logic. He's a God of, of systems. You know, uh, you, you look at ma- the mathematics and people get like, ah, I hate math. And, and to some degree, Amen. I don't like, I don't like some <laughs> math. Some math I'm okay with, other math I don't like. But math is legitimately God's ordered language, right? Like everything that, as far as creation goes and, and science goes, is ordered by mathematics. And, and, and it's very orderly. Yeah. God is a God of order and a God of logic. And, and logically speaking, the only thing we can conclude, because A, people, some people go to heaven. We all affirm that. Some people go to hell. We all should affirm that. <laughs> Not everyone goes to heaven, not everyone goes to hell. We should affirm that as well. The only logical conclusion is that he paid that ransom for all sin for some people. Mm. Again, tough to wrap your mind yep. around. Well, and, it, and it, yeah, it's tough for me too. Because, and 
I I disagree. Because I I hear that, and looking at it logically, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But then I'm also like, okay, looking at it from the perspective of all sin for some people. Well, that would mean it's not all sin if it's some people. Therefore, it has to be all sin for all people. But, going back to what Matthew Henry said of that he wills or purposes what he does not affect. So he desires and... The death of his son was for all sin from the beginning of Adam and Eve all the way to the very last and just sin being in the world. So for all of sin, Christ died. But but then you just your mind goes in loops of like, okay, but the, well, that doesn't even make sense. But then take assurance in this. If it makes sense to you, if you fully grasp this, uh, come talk to me, please. For, <laughs> for one, please come talk to me. Yeah. But the other side of it is, I truly don't believe we're meant to, because th- this is something so deep and so heavy that is only meant for the mind of God. And who knows the mind of God? The Spirit. That's <laughs> yeah. it. That's all. And and two, don't hear me saying that we don't put the invitation to all people mm-hmm. to come to salvation, because we do. We're called to. We are called to proclaim the gospel to the nations, to make disciples of all nations. Yeah, We are called to do so. So it's not a arrogant like oh I'm one. It's not that. Yeah. Like it is a humbling like I, I can I am not deserving of this salvation mm. of this grace. I want to share it with everyone so that others who aren't deserving of this grace might come to know Him. Because we do not know the mind of God. We do not know the condition of people's hearts. We do not know the ultimate resting place of people's souls. We just know that God wants us to proclaim His name and what He's done for us. What is what we know is our job that God has given us, and our job is the Great Commission. Go out to all people, all nations, proclaiming God, discipling, baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ, and, well, God, our Holy Spirit, Father, and Son, whatever. <laughs> but then, praying for all people as well. We are told to do this, so you do it. You don't go and meet someone and think, oh, I don't know if they might be chosen or not. It's like, No. No, you go based on the assumption that all of them are chosen. Why not? Yeah. And you speak to all of them that way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Not, not, not to go too deep. Boy, verse uh, 7. Yeah. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, parentheses, I am telling the truth, I am not lying, hmm. a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. And I think, too, we've talked about this before. Uh, I want to say maybe in Romans, but maybe even in last week or the week before where... It was last week, yeah. There, you know, Paul is dealing with, in, in a lot of his writings, he's writing the Jewish people who are like Jewish exclusivists who, and we'll see in, in other letters of Paul where he talks about circumcision and stuff like that, where he's like, guys, it doesn't matter. Like, that's an outward expression. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not. Let's, let's get them to Christ. But you have a set of Jews, and I think you're seeing it pop up in, in Ephesus, that believe... Only Jews should be able to come to Christ and not Gentiles. Yeah. And if and, and at the very least, if they are able to come to Christ, they have to conform to Judaism and, and conform to their ways. Salvation and their rituals. by way of circumcision. Yeah. And and Paul's like, I am not lying to you. I am telling you the truth. I am here to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He is trying to kind of quelch mm-hmm. and, and kind of put that fire of, of Judaism exclusivism. Yeah. Put that to bed and put that to rest. Yeah. No, for sure. And... And for this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, taking out the parentheses there, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So we see throughout scripture that Paul, by way of Christ, 
was appointed to go alongside the Gentiles and preach and teach to them. And uh, other disciples, such like Peter, was told to, your ministry is the Jews. Stick with them. Paul's going to go the Gentiles. And he is doing it through what? In faith and truth. I, I believe the, the truth there, the Greek word is aletheia, which when that is used, it's by Christ. Christ says, I'm the way, the aletheia, the truth, and the life, and by faith. So he is doing this all by faith. He's going in praying for all people, all going to all nations. I mean, if if you read through the scriptures, you can see everywhere that Paul went to. He went so many places. Everywhere. He everywhere. He spoke to all kinds of people. That Johnny Cash song was written about him. Exactly. I've been everywhere, <laughs> right. man. Right. <laughs> he spoke to the Greeks. He spoke to uh, the Persians. He spoke to everybody. And I firmly believe he prayed for every single one of them. Absolutely. Everybody he talked to, he prayed for them. Because he had that kingdom mindset of, I am going to pray for everyone. I'm going to preach the good news and the gospel to everyone. everyone. And God willing, they come to the knowledge of God. And if not, praise be to God, I'm going right. to move on to the next town. Right. And we see that. He, he shook, shook the, the dust off of his sandals. And, and told us to do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then he moved on to the next town and kept doing what he was supposed because to. Because it, it, the message of the gospel needs to be shared with everybody. Yes. Everyone needs to hear this good news. Uh, it's like Penn Jillette said in his in his video that I've referenced probably Countless way too many times, times in this podcast. <laughs> you have the answer. You claim to have the answer to, to avoid hell and avoid eternal damnation. Why the heck are you not sharing it with people? Yes. Do you hate them that much that you don't share it with them? And if you do, you're probably not a Christian. <laughs> you need to check your heart, bro. Yeah, definitely. For sure. <laughs> so off off, off air, uh, Austin <laughs> and I just had a quick discussion about kind of, we're, we're going to stop here. This was totally planned. <laughs> totally planned. Yeah. Well, because we, as I said, and Austin agrees, you know, these next seven verses, eight through 15, are going to take us down some trails and, and put us at a pretty long, pretty long episode. So Good trails. Good trails, of course, but oh, it's yes. going to, we get long-winded, so we're, we're, we'll probably have a longer episode. So we're excited about that. So we're actually going to stop here with... First Timothy. I want to mention one thing that I forgot to mention at the top of this. Um, last Monday night, if, if if you are living under a rock, you don't know about this, but I'm sure you do. I don't watch sports and I know. Exactly. You had uh, the, just the horrific injury to DeMar Hamlin live on Monday Night Football. I was at a, a restaurant with some friends from church watching the game, saw it happen in real time, and it, it was, I mean, the restaurant was silent. People were, you know, listening to the announcers to kind of figure out what was going on, mm. especially because on TV they stopped showing the replay. They showed it a couple times, and they realized, oh, this is really serious, and they stopped showing the replay. You jump on Twitter, jump online, social media, you start seeing they're doing CPR. The announcers finally say they're doing CPR, and it became a real surreal moment when DeMar Hamlin collapsed and 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 his heart stopped. I mean, he went into cardiac arrest. And, and, and again, we don't need to go through all the details because everyone knows kind of the thing. I want to mention two things. One, praise God, he went home today. Really? He got discharged. It's mon- This is Monday night, January 9th, when we're recording. This episode will be out on the 11th. But as of tonight, the report I saw was he went home. He's in Buffalo. Praise God. It's something that, you know, a week ago, a week ago today, we did not think would happen. Everyone, we, we, we didn't think he would he survive. Yeah. Um, and, and just an amazing job done. By the training staff and the hospital and, and, and just God working in that moment and, yeah. and the healing and, you know, 
who knows what his future looks like as far as career and football goes. That, that's secondary to this man's life was saved that yeah. night, and, and praise God for that. Something that uh, when Atticus and I, you've heard him on the episode of, a couple episodes here, uh, he and I were walking out of the restaurant at the same time, and I looked at him and said, man, this is one of those nights where I truly think in five or ten years we're going to be like, man, I remember where I was when that happened. Because mm. it was such a, it's not something you see. Yeah. You don't see someone on national television collapse and die. It was, it was yeah. essentially what happened. And, and that's so an amazing thing. And, but I want to point out two things beyond the miraculous events that he went home. Yeah. One, just the outpouring of support that you saw from Christians uh, yeah. all over the place was really cool to see. And, and, you know, it is socially acceptable in those moments to say thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Like, that's right. socially acceptable. Of course, you get the few rabid people like, ah, save your prayers, whatever. Right. But for the most part, thoughts and prayers. But, but to see action. To see action to it was pretty incredible to see. And and, and uh, from from players, from, from media personality, from pastors yeah. that were all legitimately praying for this man. And we said a prayer that night mm. as a group for him. And then, of course, I, I would assume... Myself and others, we prayed, you know, on our own for him as well. But then there was a moment that uh, Dan Orlovsky, I, I think he was a former quarterback uh, in the NFL, but he also is now an ESPN analyst. Mm-hmm. Got to meet him once. Different story. Oh. But anyway, I don't know anything about the man, really. I've heard him on the radio a couple times, heard him in interviews. But on national, on ESPN, <laughs> a very left-wing, very secular, very left-wing organization prayed. Yeah. On ESPN, live on air for DeMar Hamlin. Yeah. Goosebumps. Like, that was cool. And it was a sincere prayer. Like, it, yeah. I, you, you felt it. Like, you knew. Well, it was cool because you saw the hesitation. He's like, I, I, I don't know why. I, I just, I feel led to, to pray over him. And the other guy was like, do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. And he's like, okay. Okay, I'm gonna do it, and he, and he closes. He's like, I'm gonna close my eyes. I'm gonna bow my head. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna fold my hands. And he's like, he lists all three, and he's there. He's thinking about it. He knows he's on ESPN. He's yeah. on live, and he's like, This might I'm be the gonna, last thing I do on yeah, this, on these air, I, airwaves. I, that was the first thing that came to my mind. He was going through the whole scenario of I could probably lose my job for this. Yeah, but this man needs this. This man needs the King of the Heaven. I, I, I need yeah. to do this. So, just shout out to him for yeah. for having the courage. Like I said, I don't know much about him. I don't know what his faith looks like or what his theology is yeah. or whatever. But to have the courage, oh my goodness, to go on a a, a a a station that celebrates everything we stand against. Yeah, you know, you look at their coverage of of kneeling. You look at uh, mm-hmm. for the anthem and and the LGBT trans yeah ideology and gender ideology yeah. that they push and that they you know, want to affirm and accept to see a man put, like you said, put his job on the line mm-hmm. and said, you know what? This might be the last thing I do on these airwaves for ESPN. Yeah. This might even get cut off. Yeah. Like it might not even make it to air, right? To do that and, and for it to go viral is, is pretty cool. And, and I really hope and, and pray that we start seeing more of that and some boldness Oh yeah, from Christians to say, you know what? No, prayer works and, and we're going to do it. Yes. And that's, and again, I'm not I'm not a sports guy. I'm not I like playing sports, but I, I don't want I don't watch it. Yeah. But I, I saw this, I'm like, this has changed a lot. Granted, mm. that's my eschatology. But that this this moment I I could see things changing because now Christians that are not bold in their faith, Christians that are are quiet, 
are able to see this and be like, man, this guy just prayed to the king of the universe yeah. on national television. Okay. Yeah. Not um, not on TBN. No. Yeah, not, not, on, not on Fox News. Not even. on Dateline. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I I believe that this is going to change things. Yeah. And for me, one of the most impactful pictures, just it was a picture. It was of both teams. Like almost all of them were huddled in a giant, just multi-ring circle around each other on a knee praying. Yeah. And it's like everyone knew. Everyone knew how who every single player was praying to yeah. and what for. Yeah. And I'm like, that yeah. that gave me even give me give, give me yeah. goosebumps. Yeah, and, and it it you know that that was twofold. One, they were they were actually huddled around him. Yeah. Um to oh, kind of shield the cameras yeah. from from something that's very personal. I mean, he's receiving CPR and, and having I not to get into the weeds here, but I've experienced someone getting CPR. Uh, I've helped give someone CPR once, and I've seen EMTs come in and shock someone's heart back into rhythm. Yeah, that's a very personal event. It it, it is. It's yeah. a very personal event. It, I've done that to someone. It's not an event yeah. that you necessarily want publicized yeah. on the airwaves, and and it's not dignified, so yeah. to speak, yeah. right? And so they were doing that there, but they were also, like you said, countless men of men out there crying before God, saying. Mm. Whether they believe in God or not, and, yeah. and that's a different conversation. But crying out to God, saying, "Man, do something for this man." Yeah, our brother, our our, our fellow warrior out here battling yeah. over a game, right? Yeah. Over a, yeah. a, a, a something trivial, something trivial in the grand scheme of things. It is a yeah. game. Uh, another really cool thing I saw on social media was all these sports analysts and, and announcers and, and public figures saying. Man, this is bigger than football. Do not resume this game. Don't keep playing this game. Mm. You can't ask them to do that. Like th- right. this is bigger than football. Yeah, this is bigger than a ball in an end zone. Like yeah. it's not, you know, football's not rocket science. It's right. not life changing, right? Necessarily, but so just uh, some good I think coming out of such a tragic event, mm. and again a miraculous event where he he is okay. Neuro- neurologically intact is one of the things that they that the doctor said. Which yeah. again, if they were able to get him breathing on on his own, that was step one. Right. Step two is is he okay? Like yeah. mentally, like yeah. physically in his brain, is he okay? Seems like he is. Yeah. First thing he did when he was able to breathe on his own and kind of wake up was he wrote. He couldn't talk. He said the breathing tube in, but he wrote down who won. Really? Yeah, he wrote down who won. Oh, talking no. about the game, <laughs> and the doctor's like. Bro, you won. <laughs> like, wow. you won the game of life. <laughs> See, for me, again, this goes to our our our, our uh, theology, you know, of God is working all things out for good. And although this guy died, he he came back to life. He is now able to go home. I I pray that this guy is able to look at all this and years down the line to see fruit, to see yeah. fruit in the nation, to be yeah. like. I was the guy that died on national television, but in turn, it woke a lot of people up to God. And for him to be like, God had me die for a reason. Well, he he, <laughs> he actually tweeted that. Before really? He, so he was awake and, and breathing on his own when the uh, when the Bills played, whoever they played Sunday, I don't even remember. I watched part of the game, but I can't remember who they played. Yeah. Um, Patriots, I think. Anyway, doesn't matter. But he tweeted out something to the effect of, I, man, I would give anything to be with them running out of that tunnel. 
but God's got me fighting a different battle right now. Mm. And, and God's doing something else in me at this moment. Yes, from what he I understand, is. what I've read of him, not a lot, but a little bit, is is he is a man of faith, and I and I pray it's in Christ, and I pray it's in the right things. But right. at least he has a faith okay. that is guiding him right now, which you know I think is is pretty substantial. Oh yeah. So and for God to use him that way, and if if what I'm thinking happens, that he's able to look back 20 years from now and be like, God used me to reach people from across the nation yeah wow what what it would be to be i i'm not even gonna reach that one wow (laughs) (laughs) so anyway that was an uplifting story an uplifting story yeah so uh we're gonna come back next week we're gonna finish first timothy chapter two and then we're gonna start we're gonna kind of maybe go back to our mode of of kind of alternating between scripture and a topic of some sort because we kind of got off that a little bit which is fine which is fine we're good we're, we had a mega episode for christmas so yeah right <laughs> if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to it christmas season might be over quote unquote but hey those uh, truths are still was, there it was over january 6th yeah epiphany so, so anyway thank you guys give us a five-star review on apple podcast if you have a second to do so that'd be wonderful we are still sitting and i think 27 reviews all five stars we are so grateful for those let's let's try to jump it up to 30 let's, let's bump that up. up a little bit uh, we, we're very uh, grateful for you and grateful mm-hmm. for you listening so do that for us we would be eternally grateful we'll read your review on the air if they're nice enough right if they're not we we'll, might still read it as long as they're not cuss words yeah <laughs> sure, why not so thank you guys so much for listening we appreciate you guys come back next week same time same channel in the meantime stay, stay rooted, rooted.